Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey, good morning, you guys. Welcome. How are you doing? Good. Good. Me too. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're, um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking today, uh, continuing our last days series. We're, we're looking at Revelation chapter 4. And, uh, but first, I want to acknowledge this is, um, today this is Palm Sunday, right? So this is a week before Easter. I can't believe next week is already Easter. I think you can bring me down just a little bit. I sound a little ringy. Um, just a hair. Uh, yeah, so Palm Sunday. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus um, climbed aboard a donkey, <clears throat> an act of bravery in and of itself, and, uh, and rode into Jerusalem where people welcomed him as a king. They laid down palm branches and waved them, and this is a traditional welcome to, a, to an arriving uh, person of royalty. And then um, just a few days later, about five days later, those same people were chanting, crucify him. And he went to the cross, um, which we'll, we'll remember this Friday, on Good Friday. And then, um, and then a few days later, he rose from the dead on, on Sunday. That's quite, a, quite a, a week to have, huh? Yeah. Um, so today we're, we're remembering that, that day, the beginning of Holy Week, as we call it. Um, but uh, first, I want to tell you about something that happened to me uh, several years ago. This is before I had kids. Um, I was, uh, I've always done art. As, you know, when I was growing up, I drew all the time, and I, would draw, I, I still have um, books from when I was in school, and I used to draw all over the books, doodle and cartoon, and, and I was really into graphic illustration, and, and uh, in my early 20s, I started getting really serious about it. In fact, I, I did a bunch of drawing, and I, I got, I um, shared a little studio space with another guy. He was a fine artist, a painter. And I did a bunch of drawing, and I eventually I self-published a graphic novel. I think I sold like eight copies, so that was good. Uh, that told me everything I needed to know about that career path. But, um, but while I was sharing that space with this artist, one day he said, you know, he was doing his thing and I was doing my thing. He said, hey, I got this gallery opening I want to go to uh, in San Francisco, and it's this, this artist, and you'd like him because he uses um, negative space. Now, if you know anything about... Uh, comic book art or graphic storytelling, you know, if you take away the art, if you take away all the colors, comic book artists use negative space. It's just black and white, and essentially, and the colors are added later. This is one of my favorite artists. This is John Buscema. Um, he worked alongside Stan Lee in the early 60s to create a bunch of characters that you, you might know about. Um, this is his work on Silver Surfer, his original reproductions, and the artwork is fantastic. It's really breathtaking. So he knew, the, he knew what I was into, and he said, you've got to come see this artist. And then he tells me, he goes, this artist, he uses only black paint on white canvas, and he uses, you know those little rollers when you're rolling out like a house? You know the real small ones you get for detailing corners? He said, he uses a, a three-inch roller and black paint, and he just does shapes. And I was like, uh-huh, okay. I've been to some of these gallery things before, and I'm like, the last thing I want to do is go to this like pretentious, like total eye roller where we all stand around and go, oh yeah, I see it. I, yeah, I think I see it, you know. And people are sipping wine and just like that level of pretension is just like not, you know, is not for me, you know. And I was like, ah, uh, okay. He really wanted me to go. So I went and I went and 
I was blown away. I just, I stood in front of one piece after another, and he was right. The, the, they were shapes, but there was things in the shapes, and I, they were huge pieces. And after a little while, I began to see things. <laughs> Not, I don't mean it like that. I mean, like I began to see what he, the artist wanted me to see in these images, and, I, and there was about a dozen pieces, and I just stood, and all of a sudden, an hour had gone by, and I was just soaking in this art. And have you ever had an experience like that where your expectations were just completely turned upside down? Yeah, we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Um, we're reading from Revelation chapter 4. If you brought a Bible, you can start getting ready to turn there. We'll also have it up on the screen. And, you know, for Revelation chapter 4 is, is John's revelation. It's his beginning, his vision of heaven. He begins to talk about his vision of heaven. And for a first century Jewish person that heard this, this is not what they would have expected to, to hear. Um, you know, when you, when you read uh, the history of the era and how people talked about the afterlife, this, is, this was not it. This is not what they, they had envisioned. And um, when, when heaven is finally un- unveiled in this chapter, we don't just see a glimpse. It's like the doors get kicked off, and it's not what anyone expects. So, so we're going to read from that today. We're, we're in this last day series, I mentioned it, and uh, that term comes from this passage in Hebrews where the author says this, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And that's what we, as Jesus followers, we believe is happening. Um, and we don't mean last days like these few days right now or the last days. It's a period of time that began with the death and resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago, uh, which we're celebrating next week. Um, and during this period of time, uh, the characteristic of this time period is that he's speaking to his people through Jesus. In fact, I read from this verse last week uh, where Second Peter asks this question. He says, since, uh, in Second Peter, the letter of Second Peter, he says, since everything will be destroyed, in other words, since none of this is going to last forever, right, what kind of people ought you to be? That's the question we're asking ourselves. What, what kind of people do we want to be, considering that none of this lasts forever? All right, so let me give you the setup, and then I'm going to read. This is, I think it's the shortest chapter in Revelation. It's only 11 verses. It's actually very short, and I'm going to read it to you. But before I do, I wanted to give you this little bit of, um, just a little background. This is, um, this, this, so the first vision that we read from the last couple weeks was the letter to the seven churches where Jesus appears, and he dictates some letters to John. And um, these, this was a very grounded kind of vision. This is a kind of a ground level. We see Jesus' love and his concern for the church kind of at the local level, and he talks about the things that um, were holding him back, and he asks them to repent. We talked about that, right, to change their mind about important things. Well, the scale of John's second vision, which we're going to be re- read about right now, is, is not local. It's cosmic. He, like, really ratchets, ratchets up a notch here, and the door is opened into the immaterial space that is God's space. And this, this experience is so transcendent for John that from here on out, he communicates only in symbols and images. Um, this unveiling opens up, and what we see is like a, it's like a royal court kind of setting. And this, this makes sense, actually, because God's people at the time um, they had been promised for, for years, for centuries actually, they had been promised justice and relief from their suffering. Again and again they were promised this. And they were waiting for justice. 
They were waiting for release. And finally, they get to see a picture of where that justice is going to come from and where it will be revealed. I want to show you a picture of a painting. This is a different painting. This is, um, this is a painting by uh, a 19th century French painter named Paul Cezanne. Um, he kind of came of age in the Impressionistic age of painting. You know, Impressionists, they do those things where they just put a bunch of like kind of squiggly lines, you know, and then you stand back and it looks like uh, an ocean scene with some boats or you know, maybe a forest scene, but it's real soft and kind of, uh, you have to kind of squint to see it, you know what I'm talking about? So he was painting during this time, but he didn't like that style, so he pioneered a new style called abstract painting. It's very popular today now. Um, in fact, that painter that I talked about going and seeing in the gallery was an abstract painter. And uh, what's interesting about this is that um, the way people talk about abstract painting, you know, is you hear people talk about the, the brush strokes and the, the quality of the paint, the type of pigments. And we could do that. We could pick it apart and we could talk about what kind of canvas was he using and why did he choose that. Um, or, or we could just look at it and let it affect us the way the painter intended. You know, when I look at this painting, I, I think of autumn and it stirs up memories of my childhood, you know, growing up in and I remember what fall smelled like. I think, I think that's what he wanted. He wanted us to be affected by it, not, not get lost in the minutia, the details. And I think a lot of times, people that handle books of scripture, particularly complex ones, can do that. They get lost in the details and the minutia, and they, they no longer see the forest for the trees. I think John's intention was that we read this and experience it, that it do something to us. So I'm, I'm just going to read this. Are you okay with this? I'm just going to read this passage, and we're just going to let this happen to us, okay? This is just 11 verses. It's actually very short. If you want, you can read along with me. You can open up. It's chapter 4. Here's how it goes. You ready? Well, either way, I'm going to read it. Here we go. After this, I looked, he says, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard first uh, was speaking to me like a trumpet. And it said, come up here, and I will show you what you must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircling the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, and the third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had... Six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him and sit on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns 
before the throne, and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. It's beautiful, right? It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. It's a beautiful vision that John has. So I wanted to read that first so we could kind of experience it and then talk about the details, all right? So let's talk about the details. John opens up with this line. He says, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. He uses this, this terminology a lot. In fact, in, in the Gospel of John, he quotes Jesus as saying, I am the gate or the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And those of you here that are, have been following Jesus, you're familiar with this, this idea that we found something in him. We found, he uses the word pasture. We found uh, peace. We found safe harbor in Jesus. And he says, And the voice I had first heard speaking like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must first take place. You know, when John first heard the sound of a voice like a trumpet in chapter 1, it says he turned and looked, and the voice came from behind him. But you notice in this chapter the voice is coming from above him. The scale is changing. This isn't just a ground-level vision. This is this is a voice coming out of heaven now. And Jesus says at once, or John says, at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And he uses these jewels to talk about the person. Do you, you notice here that John doesn't give us a description of what God looks like? You know, when you look at the ancient prophets, Zechariah and Isaiah, Ezekiel, they, they do the same thing. They talk about what's around God. They don't tell us what God looks like. I wonder if maybe physically we're just not, these bodies just weren't designed yet to experience God's full glory. Not yet. So instead he uses these jewels. He says, um, it'd be an odd way to describe someone. Hey, I saw this guy and, you know, he's like a diamond, like a diamond and a ruby, you know. But he uses these, these jewels as symbols, his jasper. You know, no one really knows for sure what he means by jasper, actually, but, um, but a lot of people think he means diamonds because diamonds are clear the way he describes them. And um, this might represent God's, the purity of his righteousness. What an awe-inspiring vision that is. And, and rubies, you know, rubies are, uh, what color are rubies? They're red, yeah. And red, the color red often represents God's, God's judgment, and his wrath, that's a component of his presence, is things are not right in the earth and God's going to do something about it. That's his judgment. And finally, there's this, there's this rainbow around the throne. Uh, do you remember another rainbow in the Bible, in the biblical story, after Noah, right? In the ark. And, and what did it say? The, the rainbow represented God's promise not to destroy, not to destroy with water again. And, and out of this rainbow, it says there's, this emerald color is shining, and green is often used to describe God's peace, his, his mercy. Thank God for his mercy and his promises, right? And surrounding the throne were 24 other seats and these 24 elders. Who are these guys? Who are these guys? Well, I've read a lot of commentaries <laughs> this last year, as you might imagine, and nobody really agrees about who these guys are. Uh, they're, they're elders, we know that, so they're old. And, um, but but they're, it's probably just an image. Not, there's probably not 24 dudes hanging out in heaven with big beards. It's, 
it's an image, it's a picture. Some people say, you know, it's the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles, kind of a symbol of the Old and New Testament coming together. Um, other people say the, the 39 books of the Old Testament fit on 24 scrolls exactly. So it could be the books of Scripture. It's possible. I tend to think that, like that painting we looked at, that, that John's writing is kind of multi-layered. There may not be any one single right answer. It's, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful, and it has depth, and uh, it may be that it's all of those things, right? From the throne, it says, came flashes of light and rumblings and peals of thunder. And also in front of the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. You know, in, in Second Chronicles, in the Old Testament, there's a story about Solomon, and he builds a temple to God's glory. And a component of this temple, you can read about it in Second Chronicles. It gives lots of detail about how he builds it. And... It says in front of the temple there was a, a sea. They called it a sea, and it was, it, was, uh, it was cast metal. And across this sea uh, there were these water features that poured onto it, and the water features had these, these, uh, these big bowls for ceremonial washing. People would come in, and as a symbol of a cleansing of their sin, they would wash with this ceremonial water, and it would pour out on the sea. A thousand years later, John would have this vision and talk about a sea, except you notice in his vision, it's totally still. He said it's like, like translucent glass. I think in this vision, the, the cleansing is, is done. You know, the final sacrifice was, was made with Jesus' death and his resurrection, the final act of cleansing. We have no more need of these rituals because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. In the center and around the throne were four living creatures, and they're covered with eyes in the front and the back so that no one can sneak up on them? No. Uh, and it's really hard to sneak up on someone with eyes in the back of their head. My mom made that claim a lot growing up. She said, I'm always watching you. One looks like a lion and an ox, and another looks like a man. And a bird. These, are, these are symbols of, the, of created life. Created life. And, and what are they doing? They're worshiping. They're worshiping. You know, when Ezekiel had a vision in the Old Testament of God and his throne room, and he, has, he saw the same thing, creatures. And these are, these are visions. You know, God created all things that are created. He created them for himself, and these things are worshiping him. This is very natural, actually. This is what we should expect to see, um, that all things are created to, make, to, make, uh, to reflect the glory back to their creator. It says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, here we are again with these elder guys, right? They, they do something very strange. They fall down before him. And they lay their crowns before the throne and they say something. Before we talk about what they say, let's, let's talk about that. So they have these crowns and they take them off and they, they lay them down. You know, here, I think the 24 elders are now, now they're representing all of us, God's people. These are, this is God's people, all of the God followers throughout history, of which some of us count ourselves among, and they, um, they're, we're taking off our crowns. You know, crowns kind of evoke this image of authority, right? This act of laying down crowns at the feet of God. It closes the loop with the story that began it all. Do you remember... At the beginning of the Bible, there's a, there's a book called Genesis, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then he goes around and he distributes pieces of his authority 
He says the stars are in charge of the night, and the sun and the moon are in charge of when it's day and when it's night. And, and the animals have their own kingdom, and the fish and the sea and the birds in the air, and he's distributing his authority. And finally, he gets to human beings, and there's this symbolic act where he, he gives man dominion over the earth. These are symbols, right? And, and he's given us something. He's given us the ability to choose. We, we choose. And in choosing, we have a small piece of the power that God has. He's distributed that to us. And here in this act, you see the people of God reminding themselves where all power and authority come from, right? And this is what they say when they lay their crowns down. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You know, unlike uh, families at Thanksgiving dinner, John does not shy away from politics. <laughs> he, uh, he, he very carefully selects this phrase, okay? Think about the political climate of his day. You had uh, an empirical cult uh, that was ruling uh, over all of the people. And he, he selects this phrase, our Lord and God. In Greek, it's kyrios kaitheos, and he puts it in the mouth of God's people. And they're directing it towards the one true God. This phrase was, it's what people were um, commanded to use upon entering the empirical court. If you went to, go to Rome to visit the emperor, you walked in and you had to say, uh, my Lord, my God, kyrios kaitheos. It was a rule. You had to say it upon entering. Because the, the Roman emperors had begun to believe themselves to be like gods. And they wanted to be treated that way. And John is taking that term and he's reclaiming it. Saying, no, Nero, Domitian, you're not gods. You're small, petty men. And this is what, this is what people do, right? They get a piece of power and they want more and they take more for themselves and and John was having none of it. He wouldn't put up with it. So he takes it back. This is kind of this part where we ask ourselves, what do we do about all this? This is a beautiful passage. It was rich and had all this depth. But what do we do about that? What's our takeaway? I think for me, when I read this, it helps me to want to, to desire, to reset my awe meter. And by that, I mean, do you, um, we're surrounded by things that we're meant to be amazed by, Right? technology and uh, human advancement, and we're supposed to look at those things and go, that's amazing, that's, that's awesome, right? But then we see something like this, and this is another scale. If I'm being honest, sometimes when I read stories like this, I don't think they impact me the way they should impact me, because I'm kind of fresh out of awe. You know what I mean? The job that I have, I, um, I work in a, in a showroom, and I show people products and I sell things. And, and um, uh, a few years ago, I've, I told this story a couple years ago. If you were here then, you've probably heard this before. But a few years ago, I was working on a Saturday and I was tired. You know, talking to people all day, is, it takes a toll, you know. And it was like two minutes before closing and this woman kind of slips in the door. Which, by the way, if you're that kind of person, you know what I mean? Like, you come into a store like two minutes before close and stay 20 minutes. Mm. But, like... So this, 
this sweet lady comes in, and she's so exuberant about the thing that she's doing. She, she's like asking for these different samples and looking, oh, here's what I'm doing with my towel. And it's really hard to generate excitement for someone's project, like when it's 15 minutes after closing. You know what I mean? But I'm doing my best. I'm really trying. And she keeps saying this phrase. She keeps going, oh, that'd be so awesome. That would be so awesome. I, you know, she, she goes, do you have a sample of this tile that I could take home? And I was like, yeah, let me look in the back. She goes, that would be so awesome. And as I'm going to the back, I'm like, telling myself, I'm like, awesome, really, lady? Like, this colored piece of tile is, is awesome? Like, you're using, like, I was thinking, what if I rode out of the back room, like, on a unicorn, you know? And I, and I ground to a halt and jumped off, dismounted, and there's beams of light shooting from behind me. And with a silver platter, I, I hold out the most awesome sandwich she's ever seen, and I open it up, and her tile, like, rises up, you know, and more light is shooting out. I go, here's the perfect tile for you. you know, what word are you going to use to describe that experience? Because you've already used up awesome on a little piece of clay baked in an oven, right? But I didn't say any of those things. I came out. I said, here you go. Have an awesome day. This is the problem, right? We use up the word awesome, and there's nothing left when we read a story like this, but I think we can recapture our awe if we find a way to quiet ourselves and to, to listen to the, real, the meaning behind the vision and the words and just allow it to change us from the inside out. What is missing when you see this story, this vision of heaven? What's, what's missing from when you compare it to our popular narrative about heaven? There's, there's, no, there's no mansions. There's no feasts. There's no nirvana. I don't mean the band. I mean like the experience. There's like, you know, the reality is most of the way we talk about heaven centers around who? Us. Yeah, we make it about us. It's our experience. Heaven's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. And then when John sees it, where, where are we, you know? Here's, here's my observation. Our hope, we have a hope, our hope, to me, it's found here in the revelation that we are not at the center of the universe after all. You know, John gets a vision of the very center of creation. And who's there? God. Not me. I'm not there. But we keep putting ourselves on that throne, don't we? Every time we make decisions that don't reflect his character and his glory, every time we take power for ourselves that doesn't belong to us, we put ourselves on that throne temporarily. And, and there are crowns, though. God's people have crowns, right? He, he gives us a crown. He gives us some measure of authority, the ability to make choices. But he lends us a crown, not a throne. Not a throne. Thank God there is someone that's in charge of it all, and thank God it's not me. This is my second observation, and this is where I want to leave us today, is that we were made by a loving creator to reflect his love right back. We were. That's, that's why we were made. If you look at the characteristic that John uses to depict God here, creator, he says, for you created all things, and by your will they were created. That word will is the Greek word thelema. It means to take great pleasure in something like that artist that painted that painting um, who took time and gave it thought and took great pleasure in the act of creation, 
God did the same with you. He delights in you. You're handcrafted. He spent time considering how you would be and then focused that time and energy into making you exactly who you are. He delights in you. We, you know, we use this word in Christianity, saved. I got saved. This is when I was saved. Um, and I think it's a fine word, but we focus on what we're being saved from. And actually, the, the real heart of following Jesus is, is who we're being saved for. He's saving us for himself. We spend a lot of time thinking about what we want, don't we? Putting ourselves on the throne that doesn't belong to us. We spend all this time thinking about the things that we want and not so much about thinking about what God wants. What does he want? I think when I read this passage, what it tells me is that he wants us. He wants you. He created you. He made you. And he wants you, if you'll have him. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.